You're watching No Way Jose. I played that intro because many of you, you know, new people here may know I just went on Timcast and I, uh, the only thing I cared about was to mention Terrence Hickey's name. I suggest you look into him. I've done a whole series on it, but I figured there's new people here. I could expand on a little bit with that video. Also, uh, that's kind of what dragged me into it. So uh, it is also a little bit of a thank you to you guys. Uh, thank you for guys getting me there. Uh, I had a fun time. But with that, today we're doing a Four Pony Boys, and we have the great Daniel McAdams with us. Real quick, do want to let you guys know, this is not behind the paywall because these just go live stream and that's it. But if you do want to do that, Patreon.com is No Way Jose 2020, lowest level 2 bucks, highest level is 20. 20 is my sponsors. I have Mikhail Thorpe of the XVet Money Show, Jeremy, who has an Etsy store, Etsy.com, shop, slash Raising Liberty, and also my co-host, Toad, on Tower Gang. Uh, go check out Tower Gang, uh, you know. Every friggin' uh, every Wednesday at 9 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, then I also have Zach Overack at Z O V E R A C K if you want to follow on Twitter. And with that, enough of that stuff. Let's go ahead and get into it. What's up, my dude? Top Lobster. Hey, what's up? Reed Coverdale. How's it going? Fucking Clint Russell, <laughs> the beautiful so cue ball himself. And the great, the right hand of Ron Paul, Daniel McAdams, the yin to his yang. <laughs> with the, the mick based <laughs> uh you want to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick for the uh for the audience for anyone who doesn't know who you are which i feel like most mountains probably knows who you are but sure well first of all thanks a lot for having me i feel like i'm like with the cool kids in class for a while. <laughs> <laughs> definitely wow. not no i'm with the, the the kids my mom warned me about <laughs> yes that's correct <laughs> It's actually uh, <clears throat> true on both fronts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I um I went to work for Dr. Paul just after 9-11 on Capitol Hill as a, a, a legislative aide. I worked with him until he re uh, retired in uh, early 2013. And then we founded the Ron Paul Institute in April of 2013. So this will be our 10th anniversary coming up in April of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. We focus on non-interventionism, on civil liberties at home, and on related things like the Fed to the degree that it enables the interventionism. I mean, the Fed is the key to everything. So we focus it on it on that. We hold a lot of conferences each year. And we do the Ron Paul Liberty Report uh, every day live on Rumble. 
Hell yeah. Uh, real quick, I do have my patrons got to ask questions. We'll leave with those or statements. I got from Tyler Yankee of the Libertarian Podcast Review. He said, exactly what I expected for a Valentine's Day show. I think I speak for everyone on the show that we all love Dan McAdam, so it does fit. Uh, and then the only one that's really a question is I get, uh, my buddy JC said, Daniel's tweets past week have left a lot of people confused. Can you ask him for some context in what message he was trying to give regarding the Russia-Ukraine war? I'm assuming you made some statements regarding it recently. I don't know, maybe you said something semi-favorable to Russia and people mistook it as or being pro-Russia. I, I don't know if you want to expand and then we'll get into the conversation. Well, I'm not sure exactly what he's asking about, but there was a big kerfuffle and I don't really want to go into a lot of the details about it. Okay. We can talk about some of it and have to do with yeah. Scott Ritter speaking at the event. And I wasn't happy with how it was handled. And, uh, you know, I'm an emotional guy. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Hungarian, you know, I mean, we, we have revolutions uh, every few years, you know, so uh, yeah, I blew my stack a little bit cause I was, I was pissed off to be honest. Okay. And then I just like that. cooled down. I was out the next day I was out cutting the grass. And that's, you know, my sort of chill time. And I'm thinking, you know what, that was, that was a little bit, that's kind of dumb to, to, to be so public about being, you know, PO'd. And so I just came in and, and tweeted saying, hey, you know, uh, I was too emotional about it, whatever, you know. So that, that's basically that, you know. I just uh, I did, tried to yeah, walk did, it down a little bit. Yeah. I didn't realize it was tied into all that. I just thought maybe you made some weird statement about Russia, Ukraine. I don't know. But with that, you mentioned Scott Ritter. That is the first topic. Uh, that we wanted to kind of get into. We won't. Uh, what I'm interested in is because I've never really heard much of him until all this recent kerfuffle. So I'm kind of curious why is he such a big deal? I know Reed. Uh, Reed definitely knows. Clint probably knows. Clint recently actually on his show read a uh, read his uh, like one of his speeches or a speech. I think he might have been intending on doing, and it was phenomenal. I'll give Didn't him that. Did you so, give him the reward for that? They gave him a bonus <laughs> or something. Yeah. I, I remember they gave him double your money or something. Clint. <laughs> they gave me a Twitter ban for life. It's pretty fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly like. I think a lot of people uh, misinterpreted my intentions with that. Like, like I was taking a shot at either the organizers of the rally or the LP or the Mises Caucus, and it was none of that. I I read his speech because he had tweeted out his Substack, and I was so moved by it. I just immediately, I like immediately sat down and recorded it. Uh, yeah. I just felt like it needed to be heard and. Yeah. You know, I tried to tried to make an explanation within that episode where I explain like this is this is love for everybody. Like I am not I am not here trying to to shame or badmouth anyone. I just thought that it like those words were so so damn good. Yeah, exactly. Um, we did the same thing. We put it at the very top of our page the next morning in the printed see, form. There you go. Yeah, it was a it was a powerful speech. It was a great speech. Absolutely. So who who is he and why should we care about him? Obviously, I think a lot of you'll know about the kerfuffle, but. Uh, I only kind of know a little bit about it. Reed's explained it to me a little bit in group chats, but I I'm kind of curious, Daniel, you seem to have a strong feeling, at least for his pro-war uh, activities or anti-war activities. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'd like to hear it from you, the horse's mouth. I feel like you'd probably know better, far better than any of us, the importance of Scott. Well, it was 20 years ago, believe it or not, you know, around this time, 20 years ago. Um, and you guys <laughs> are youngsters, so you don't remember what it was like. But if you think the forces are aligned against us now, it was that times 120 years ago. Um, they wanted to go into Iraq. We had, um, when I worked for Dr. Paul, we had a regular Thursday lunches where we would have uh, a group of members that would sit in Dr. Paul's office, and I would be the one to invite in a speaker. And one of the speakers I had, um, I'm not sure that he's passed away, so I won't say his name, but he was a two-star general and very, very much involved. And he told the 
these were off the record meetings, so I just don't want to quote him. But he told the group there, the group of members, that he was in an elevator with a couple of the top neocons uh, working for the Bush administration right after 9-11. And they had been planning on hitting Afghanistan uh, in, re in retaliation for the attack. That's another story, but that's what they were planning. And so this general was in with um, Doug Fife, I think it was, and people like him, you know, these guys. And he said, um, uh, sir, you know, the plans are going really well for the attack on Afghanistan. And the neocons said, Afghanistan, we're going into Iraq. And this is the 2001, just like a couple weeks after 9-11. So this stuff they had planned a long time. Um, they had planned it. Um, of course, the, 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 the grease in the machine was in 1998, the Iraqi Freedom Act. Of course, we always give them freedom, the freedom from <laughs> this earthly coil, right? This mortal coil. Um, so that's what set the stage for it. And that's Dr. Paul's early fight in Congress against the Iraq war. Um, and I don't want to get the details wrong, and I don't have them in front of me. But at the time, I'll just give a thumbnail sketch. At the time, the UN chief weapons inspector, right? Remember, the whole thing was premised on the fact that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. We don't want the next smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud, you know, was the administration's perspective on this. Um, they were going to send drones over New York and drop nuclear weapons, all complete horseshit, as we know now. And we knew then, but there was one person who had an enormous amount of power by virtue of being the chief weapons inspector for the United Nations, not beholden to the U.S. government, but a U.S. Marine intelligence officer who played a key role before the end of the Soviet Union as a, um, as a negotiator in uh, arms control treaties. So very, very versed in arms control, negotiations in arms control, inspection of arms control. So here is this guy who was not going to bend. You had all the neocons in the White House, the worst of the worst scumbags, Cheney and Rumsfeld. They weren't even the worst of them. All of this pressure, because there was one guy named Scott Ritter, the chief UN weapons inspector, who said, I don't see any weapons of mass destruction. We have gone through everything. We've done everything we could. Uh, and then when the re response from the administration was to continue to attempt to infiltrate his inspection team with CIA officers who were not looking for weapons, they were looking for targets. And that's a fact because they already knew they were going to blow up uh, Iraq. Uh, when that kept happening, he finally resigned. And I'm sure if Scott were here, he would have a lot better detail. I'm just doing it off of memory. He resigned. But after he resigned, he saw the war coming that we all saw. We all knew what was happening. Uh, we were desperately trying to prevent it on Capitol Hill with the limited tools we had. Oh, Ron, you're just a Saddam lover. You know, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That's how it all was <laughs> back yeah. then. So what he did is he organized a personal um, trip to Iraq to negotiate with the Iraqi par parliament and encourage them to, uh, at that time, by that time, the weapons inspection team had been expelled by Iraq. He got them to agree to, to re-invite them into Iraq and to uh, start negotiations and to meet some of the demands of the U.S. administration. It was basically, um, if you remember in Syria, uh, when uh, the U.S. said, because of Assad's chemical weapons, we're going in, man. And Assad said, well, how about if we give them up? And, and that was brokered by Russia. So that's what happened. So uh, Scott got the Iraqis to agree 
to the terms of the U.S., and that pissed him off even more, right? And so not long after that is when he found himself uh, in some trouble with the law, with uh, some sting operations, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, primarily because I, 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 I've read it many, many times in his own words, but I don't feel comfortable explaining it because I don't want to get the details wrong. But all I would ask your viewers to, 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 to think about for a second is imagine that there's one man standing in the way of their war on Iraq. That man had to be destroyed. That man, of course, was not perfect. None of us are. But destroy him, they did. They destroyed his livelihood. They destroyed his character. Um, they almost destroyed his life. So this is the importance of someone named Scott Ritter, a U.S. Marine who's not going to back down, basically said F you to the face of uh, you know, all the neocons, Cheney and Rumsfeld. So that's the importance of Scott. And we got to know Scott later on. And I think we had him speak at least at one of Dr. Paul's uh, lunches on Thursdays. And we've had him on the show several times. And we've had him speak at our conference where he gave a great speech on Biden. So he's a very important historical figure. He is important in the scheme of things because He's not a left progressive anti-war. He's not a liberal anti-war. Um, he's not necessarily, you know, you know uh, he's not a hippie. He's a warrior. And he said there was a recent interview. I forget you guys. I'm sure you know the name of the person. He's a warrior. And in some ways, uh, people like Doug McGregor and Scott Ritter, the people that have known war and have been in war, when they come over toward our side, um, that is really, really valuable. So that I hope I didn't, you know, uh, test your patience too much. I just want to emphasize the importance of someone standing up against all odds, being kicked, you know, where, uh, having his life turned upside down for it. Well, now, I think, I think what's interesting, what's interesting is that, you know, we all know the history of the anti-war movement and the infiltration and the smearing and the murders that come for activists in this arena. And yet so many people in our camp still took the narrative about Scott at face value. I just find that fascinating, uh, particularly having been dragged through the mud for the past month over the Eliza Blue shit. I am now much more cautious about making assessments of people's character based off of information if I don't know them personally or if I haven't done a deep dive myself to try and figure it out. So that was the other part of the reason I did that episode is I really wanted to convey to people like, hey, you might want to you know, reserve judgment unless you actually know something for a fact. And I just wanted to back up what Ritter said. Uh, it was... What was his name? Uh, Wesley Clark, General Wesley Clark, said that in the months right after 9-11 that they had already had conversations where they are going to take out, or quote, we are going to take out seven Muslim countries in five years, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off with Iran. So this, I mean, this is double double confirmed. And there's, other, there's many other people that have said similar uh, sentiments. So like they had a whole game plan. They were ready to rock. All the enemies of another little country in the region. <laughs> yes. This story, this story really reads so heavy. It, it reminds me of uh, Cody Wilson a little bit. As you were telling it, I was just getting flashbacks. As I was following him pretty closely as he was doing his uh, defense distributed with the ghost guns. And they kind of caught him in the same weird honeypot. He was on a dating website and the Fed set him up with some girl that she, obviously, if you're on the dating website, you have to be of age. And then it turns out she's not of age. They dragged him through the mud. I'm, I'm not even sure what happened to the case, but I know that his work was and it still is very important, tremendous, at least to the two way community or, you know, Americans in general. But it just seems like a tactic that continues to come up again. 
it's one of those things that they can hit you with and it will stick. Yeah. You can't, and you thank, cannot thank escape God. It. Look, look thank at God the, pedophilia sticks in today's society because when it doesn't, we're in trouble that, but that's yeah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Of course, yeah. But you, you got to keep in mind too. You got the, the brother of the Vegas shooter. Uh, who also mm -hmm. had you know terabytes on his 95 windows pc yeah. and you're like i don't know man i don't know i'm just saying like look at it with yeah. some skepticism that's all yeah the thing that's amazing about the whole ritter thing is he was probably the worst guy to come out against it from a strategic perspective for the people who wanted to push the war because he's like one of the most qualified people in the world yeah. to say uh no <laughs> this is yes. bullshit so He's not um, just coming from a principled stance. He's exactly. coming from like, like, hey, Knowledge. this is my area of expertise. And I'm <laughs> telling you, you guys are on the wrong path. And this is evil and wrong. And like, those are the worst people for the regime's uh, yeah. intended interests. So that's, I think that's why I'm so skeptical as to the claims about him. Yeah, I think the proper logic, I mean, especially when you've done, gone gone down these rabbit holes and understand the corruption that, that exists in the Fed and the, the, the depths they're willing to wallow in, like, it, you, I really feel like the rational position, once you have that understanding, is when there's something like this, your rational, like, it, your immediate knee-jerk reaction should be the Fed is lying, and then you work back from there. Obviously, I'm not saying <laughs> that's, like, your assertion from the start, but you're like, that's my feeling, is it's fucky. And then from there, you back off, and, you, and you're like, well, okay, let me look into it. And then as you look into it more, but always be looking at them with the uh, the most skepticism, and they don't just get to throw out the word pedophile, and you like, go, oh, yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> like, I've seen so many people, like, there was something else, someone was arguing with someone online about something like this a while ago, and they're like, well... It's something along the lines of like, you know, I'd rather uh, lean towards the, the chances of being able to take a pedophile off the street. And it's like, that's completely the opposite of how the legal system is supposed to work. It's supposed to yeah. be like the idea of like, you'd innocent rather until proven guilty. Yeah. Or you'd rather <laughs> what a hundred men that are uh, guilty go free than one innocent man, you know, be put behind bars or whatever. It's like, yeah. that's not the exact opposite of how this is supposed to work. But as soon as you say certain words, everybody immediately buys everything hook, line and sinker. And it, it, it yep. is kind of ridiculous. And well, and for the record, if it's proven that yeah. that someone is in fact doing these types of things, yeah, shun them. I, I completely agree with that. But just with like the higher level of claim about someone's character or or indiscretions, the higher level of evidence I think is necessary. And a lot of people work the opposite. They go like, "Well, he was accused of this, and it's so egregious that I just I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to, you know, run and hide from anybody that." Uh, that has already concluded the same that he's in, in fact guilty of these things. And I just think it's a cowardly way of, of dealing with it. It makes me well, mad to be honest. Well, the, yeah. I'll the other ahead, thing, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but the other thing about it is that we, on a personal level, we can decide <clears throat> to shun people for far lower reasons. You know, I don't want to associate that person. They may not have done it, but if there's something in his character that I don't like, there's a big difference between doing that and, and, and being proactively trying to contribute to the pile on, of a person's character when you really don't know the details of the case. And that's what happens in this situation and many other situations. Uh, you know, a group tries to aggressively hurt someone, uh, you know, and that, I think that's a little different. I don't know. Yeah, we've seen a lot Certainly, of that lately. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd bring crazy. it to another level. I don't even care if he is guilty. I mean, if he is guilty, I still think he has incredibly important insight into everything that's going on you know i'd still want to hear what the guy has to say given his past and everything so the fact that people don't want to hear this guy speak regardless of his moral character to me is kind of surprising well, I, I found <laughs> things are pretty bad right now I, so. the other the other angle of this that i found fascinating is like this anti-war rally is going to be the entire political spectrum like if you're against this particular war you're going to be there and mm -hmm. we're going to have people that are overt communists there 
You know, like I don't find anything ideologically more dangerous or reprehensible than communism, just being honest. And yet those people are all fine. Like no one's no one's threatening to walk away because of that for the most part. Um, but this this particular claim is even more egregious than uh, than that, which I find fascinating. Yeah, I find Caitlin Johnstone a little bit more dangerous than this guy, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, the, um, well, you're an adult man. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> the thing, yeah. the thing is, I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, I made a couple of points and some tweets uh, about this, which one of which is very very important. Now, you can easily go back and look at the um, so-called uh, U.S. aid to Ukraine. It's over $100 billion so far, and that's been authorized, not necessarily appropriated, and I know the difference between the two. But millions of those dollars have gone to Washington PR firms. I think Ukraine has hired about 100 PR firms in D.C. This is the gravy train for everyone. You could not imagine what these guys make a month on this stuff. And their sole purpose is to maintain the narrative at all costs. These people operate sub rosa. They operate through intelligence networks. They have an enormous amount of power. They have an enormous amount of access to lawmakers because they can fund or defund anyone. So above all, we have to recall, we have to think that these people are desperate, that the narrative does not shift away from plucky little democracy, did nothing wrong, sitting in a field, little Miss Muffet, uh, doing nothing wrong, and all of a sudden the big bad bear came into the backyard and started ravishing her. And that is absolutely historically not true, objectively not true, but they're desperate to maintain it for personal reasons, because there's a lot of money in it, and because of who's hired them. So we're robbed to pay these guys to lie to us about what's happening in Ukraine. So my guess is there are plenty of people out there set to destroy this rally for that very reason. They're terrified of anyone like Scott Ritter, who knows the history and says, this was not an unprovoked uh, uh, invasion of Ukraine. It doesn't necessarily mean you condone it, but the narrative is bullshit. It was not unprovoked. There's a real history there we can even talk about if you want. So that's, I think that's an important factor to keep in mind. Can I can I hop in about the Shane Cashman story real quick, Jose? I don't know if you yeah, want to go, go this Yeah, go for thing. it. Go to town, man. Um, I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah the, the reason I bring it up is because I mean, he got a ton of criticism for that article. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, to a certain extent, I understand why. I mean, he didn't source much of the alleged evidence to defend her and yada, yada, yada. That's not the point. What I, what I, I want to bring up. all that. He did nothing wrong. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, the reason I bring it up, though, is that I think people need to evolve their understanding of what, you know, <clears throat> COINTELPRO and these other types of operations are going to look like moving forward. Mm -hmm. They are going to use internet mobs to tarnish people's reputations. It is so easy to do. All, all of us on this panel right now have experienced it firsthand on a couple of occasions already. Um, and it is so easy to manipulate these idiots. You just have to float a rumor, concoct a little bit of evidence. It doesn't have to be real or, or sincere at all. It can be out of context. It can be completely fictitious. It's almost better if there's a grain of truth, kind of like with the whole sure. Eliza thing, you know, sure. to, you know? Yeah, so, it's, it's you, funny. It's funny to see like uh, people who you thought were woke in 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 the like the right wing term, right wing sense of this, or rational. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, maybe maybe I'll fall for, fall for the next psyop, but like there's been psyop after psyop since at least 2020 that we've been really involved, and I've seen like like my soldiers next to me left and right fall little by little 
to yep. different variances of different lies where I'm like, hold on a sec. Like at the, at the very least, like, all right, we've already been lied to a bunch. Let's wait a second. Let's be rational. Let's cut our grass and look at this again. And people, <laughs> they, they fall for it. Boom, 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 like left and right. So it, that's been, that's been an interesting disturbing. occurrence to me. Yeah. I had um, a lot of fights with just the late Justin Ramondo, who I admire enormously and he really helped me get into the anti-war movement but God love him, Justin was a brilliant, brilliant person, but he often fell for things. Oh, Dan, this time it's, you can't keep saying the U.S. government's involved in this. We had a, we had a huge falling out over the 2009 Green Revolution in Iran um, because I knew that it was U.S.-backed and the U.S. was behind. Oh, Dan, nah, this time it's grassroots. No, Justin, it's, I'm sorry, it's not, you know. And he just, everyone does that, you know. No, it's all bullshit. They're lying all the time. That's what they do. Let me add one other note about the the reason that this is going to be so so easy is that the particularly if it's a public internet figure, there is so much click traffic that comes from destroying another public internet figure that all you have to do is seed the ground and then all those people that get those clicks off of the internet drama, uh, you know, Ferris wheel, they will do their job dutifully and they won't yeah. even know they won't even know that they're useful idiots involved well, in this. so the, the u.s government like I, I mean they do really good in in dealing drugs like putting them in different communities and watching the people spiral and this is the same thing it's just dopamine so yeah, yeah. good point they're i genuinely the do think losing it i do think a lot of these riffs we're seeing we've been seeing a weird stuff it's like the alt media sphere right lately has been like getting fractured like crazy like it's kind of like the the generic, you know, centrists, the conservatives, the libertarian, like the kind of alt alt sphere, like even like, you know, the Stephen Crowder versus Daily Wire, the whole Eliza Blue thing. Now we got the blaze shit that's popping off. And like, don't get me wrong. I, everyone here, a, a lot of our kinds are like, well, they're controlled ops, this, that. We're like, OK, but they're kind of like the big dogs in this sphere in a certain sense, at least in a figurehead way. And it's trickling down. And it's like it's almost like and then with every one of these things people take not that i'm some centrist but people seem to take one crazy position on one side or one crazy position on the other and now in both are acting irrationally and we're creating these crazy risks people like doxing each other throwing up blackmail basically they're doing all the work for the feds if this is some sort of concocted op you're just throwing all the ammo out into the out in the world for them to use because that is how they they use blackmail they use all sorts of different subterfuge to get their ends and even if they don't even ever use any of that you're doing most of the work for them anyways by like I ousting think, these people i think reed has the had the best take on it on on tim cast where <laughs> you know they're going back and forth about this thing and reed goes it's good let them fight <laughs> like basically like let, let them bleed out and we'll see what's left and you'll see who's who yeah <laughs> i think i think that's a that's a fair stance except for the fact that i think it's still important that we understand the the tools by which these people are being destroyed that's the only reason i bring it up because i have seen the bots firsthand i have been bombarded with them over the past month it is fascinating to watch all of the accounts are new they all have hashtags that are all uh, in alignment with this particular topic that is not a meaningful topic at all. Like no one would actually dedicate their fucking lives to this thing, but they have done it by the hundreds and thousands. And you're like, okay, something is happening here. I'm not going to say it's whole cloth fiction. I'm not even going to say that her story is real or false or anything in between. I'm just saying there is something happening here that is not organic. And it's important that people understand that. And once you start seeing the blueprints, it, once you start looking and going into deep Fed stuff, you start seeing this stuff. Like it has hallmarks of like, to me, of like when the Feds infiltrate Hollywood and they still are to this day, but they like, you know, kind of around like the Manson era and stuff like that. Like you, once you start seeing the patterns, it's like you can't stop seeing them. And hey, it's not Dan, that I say everything's a Fed op, but there's sometimes you're like, this is so <laughs> inorganic. 
there might be something here. You know, Dan, what is what was a uh, what was this like uh, for you and Ron at the time? Because I know that you guys had to have pro- definitely on a much higher scale what like Clint is experiencing. Clint is a micro niche uh, internet celebrity. You guys were on the main stage, but at at the time where uh, the internet wasn't as prevalent, at like social media wasn't really booming the way it is. So how did that come at you guys? Like what what did you experience? Well, there was a lot. I mean, we're talking like maybe the early part of the Iraq War. Is that is that what you're thinking about? Or yeah, yeah I, I, I could just assume any opposition. Like, like early two thousands. Yeah, there was no social media. Just didn't play a role at all. But the, but then the legacy media played a bigger role. You know, and there and there was the beginning of the kind of the alt media, like the Daily Beast kind of thing, and this and that, and and the um, yeah, 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 and the Weekly Standard. I remember they um, it, and and National Review was it National Review or Weekly Standard that ran the David Frum piece, the unpatriotic conservatives or whatever, unpatriotic whatever, where they trashed uh, Ron Paul and Lou, uh, and Lou Rockwell and and Justin and everything. So it was it was the same thing, but. I think I think I get what you're saying. I think it was slower though, because like you were like you were saying a minute ago, there can be a thousand bots. Like I don't know if any of you guys have been hit with the NAFO bots, but because I talk I mean, a lot about Russia yes, and Ukraine, <laughs> there'll be a thousand of these effing freaks that yeah, just yes. drop in like <laughs> it's like, you know, when I was living in San Francisco and I opened my cabinet and there's a bunch of damn roaches. You know, that's what it is like. And and it's it's crazy. <laughs> Like block, 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 block. Bro. It's totally inorganic. Yes. They're all the yes. They've got eight followers. It's it's crazy. So I block I block them all because the other thing that they do, and this is the other thing that people aren't paying attention to, is that those bot armies are there not they're there to antagonize you into saying something crazy that then they can mass report. Exactly. They want they want your voice silenced. That's their whole fucking purpose. They're there to That's set narrative and they're there to ban opposition thinkers and voices. That's what they're there for. And trust me, I would bet my goddamn life that this is an operation. Think about the the narrative control that they had with the mainstream media. That you think became... it's the Russians, Clint? You think the Russians <laughs> no. are doing that? I've no, joked about that several oh, times because this would be the greatest achievement of Putin to make the opposition <laughs> to Putin look like such dipshits. <laughs> He's probably got like three Brilliant. bots in the mix. <laughs> no, no, no. But but think, think think about the how easy it was to control. They had three channels, right? It was like ABC, NBC, CBS. Then it became the cable networks. It's like, okay, we gotta we gotta diversify our budget here. We gotta really spread out the dollars to try and keep these these narratives in alignment. Then it became the internet. There was no way to control it financially. They can't buy and pay off everybody. It's just not possible. So what are they gonna do? Anyone that rises to a certain level, they're gonna smash them down with the easiest, cheapest mechanism they have. It can be paired with AI, it can be paired with bot networks, it can be paired with just using the mob against itself. I'm telling you, I am onto something here. This is actually the hey, next I, evolution of what they have done forever to control narrative. That's I, I don't what wanna, we're watching. I don't want to derail the conversation, but have you guys heard of the conspiracy theory of uh, the dead internet theory? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My son yeah, told you heard me about that. that. My son like told 90. Me about it. 97% of the activity and like websites on the internet are just completely fake bullshit. And there's like just 3% of us that are kind of doing real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. It I feels thought, that way. Yeah. It I does on he, Twitter, especially. Yeah. Well, I thought my, my, my son was doing a little too much research when he told me that, but when he explained <laughs> it to me, it makes sense. Cause I remember the very early days of the internet when literally everything was at your fingertips, but now with algorithms and AI and everything, you, you can do a search for something and nothing comes up. It's yep. weird. It's yeah. weird. Try try and Google any 
brand new news story that isn't being covered by the mainstream, you will get nothing. And you, and you used to have all the alternative networks that would be out there going like, here's what we're on the ground. We're trying, cause like they're trying to get the lead on the story. You can't even find that shit anymore. Yeah. It's like this story's evolving or whatever the fuck Google's. Yeah. Google Cy Hirsch, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to never heard of him. He's just a blogger. <laughs> I'll search Twitter now. I, uh, you're getting yeah. like more reliable information on. You got to like sift through it, but at least you know it's coming from people. God knows. That's what, what I do when we're preparing for the show every day. I I don't I, I don't even bother with Google or any search engine. I go to Twitter because that's the only place you can find stuff. You're absolutely right. All right, I have another fun question. Real quick, I want to address super chat or just bring it up. Someone said Danny Mac in the house, five bucks. Appreciate the five bucks. You know, feel free to super chat throw if you have any questions or statements. But uh, I did. I, I just remembered something I actually said on Timcast with Reed, uh, what not even a week ago, uh, and we were talking about Trump, and they were kind of talking about how the, the deep state weighed him down. I was like, true, yeah, I'm sure you could say to some extent he would have been better. You know, obviously he probably wouldn't be perfect if the deep state hadn't weighed him down. But they did. You know, government does government things. And I said, even if you took, I said, even if you take the perfect politician, I said, and I was like, even like Ron Paul and then Tim Poole kind of made a joke, like he's perfect. He's like, well, he's the closest thing to perfect I can think of for a politician. I said, even him, like I think likely, and I feel like Ron's actually made statements about this before, like if he got in office, he likely would have gone, taken a, uh, you know, a convertible ride down Dallas, or he would have had something similar happen to him along the lines of Trump to where they, you know, they basically blocked every which way they can through the bureaucratic process. I'm kind of curious your, your position on that. If, if you agree, or if you think, cause I think in a lot of ways it was more about the message with Ron Paul than it was yeah. really about ever getting in the white house. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And you know, the thing, the beautiful thing about Ron Paul, and I've worked for him for so long, is that he, as a manager, as a person, he is, he lives that philosophy. He's very hands off. He does, he never, he never asks you directly to do something. You know, he suggests it, you know, but he, ne he, he just doesn't feel comfortable doing that. And that makes him a wonderful person to be around, a wonderful person to work for. I wonder what would have happened because he is so kind and so nice and so tolerant. What would have happened if he was thrust into the cesspool and the viper's pit um, of, of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Um, because I just don't see how one man, one person could control the, the size of this beast. You know, I, I don't know how he could have done it. Well, unless, unless you're going to rule like a tyrant, you know, you no, have, he, like you have to get in there. With, that's totally uh, contrary to his natural disposition. Even so if they if, spiked his chicken soup with tyrant pills. Right, he it, right. All. it wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ron does have. He has a little bit of a mean streak. Uh, <laughs> we've seen that it's that interview. Where, it's, it's, just, it's just when it comes to fat people. Just yeah, yeah just the fat guy on that show. <laughs> oh, that's and, yeah. No, he's a it, jock. It is, he's a jock. He's competitive. He's he's still he's still that track star in college. So people <laughs> may may um misinterpret his competitiveness for being mean. But he, yeah, he's polite. He will never cheat. But he damn well wants to win. Yeah. Deep down inside, I, he's I, got that dog in him. <laughs> could, could I ask you a personal question? How how's he been doing health wise since his stroke? Is he doing okay? He's doing great. I mean, I wish I walked okay. as much as he did. He, in fact, he called me because we're trying to make plans for DC, and there's some complicated things about it. And so he called me, and I could tell he's out walking. It's like six thirty at night. I'm like, and he's not out of breath, but you know, when you're walking and you're on the phone, and so he's out walking. You know, he's, great. Good to hear, man. He does thirty minutes every day. I listen every day. Yeah, man's a workhorse. Dude, it's nuts. He he just keeps going. All right, what what are your thoughts? You think we're getting attacked by aliens, Daniel? What what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you see? I don't know if you guys saw, but the Pentagon itself said 
Um, John Kirby, I can't believe this guy was an admiral. John Kirby said, well, we, we, you know, it's probably that these were commercial uh, uh, saddle, uh, commercial whatever they were in the sky. Uh, I don't know. I just saw it on Zero Hedge a couple hours ago. They basically conceded that the whole thing is BS. Um, maybe the original was Chinese, who knows? But yeah. every other thing that they shot down was basically like a balloon that said, uh, the U.S. blew up Nord Stream. I think what's interesting is like the, the reports have been a few times now that they've been octagonal. So like octagons in shape, but not but not balloons. Like they keep going out of their way to say they're actually not or balloons. I find like that fascinating. Exact shape. Or right. Something like that. Yeah. Right. But what it's static that too. That's the other thing that I find fascinating is that they're saying that they were static. Like they were not moving. And I just don't, don't understand. Like the authorities or random I've, eyewitnesses. I've seen, I've seen different. No, no, no. I'm talking press conferences where okay. they're asking these questions of like, I don't know if it's Kirby or whoever the fuck these idiots are that are up on, you know, the white house podium, but they're, they're, like they're not giving direct answers, but they're saying enough weird shit that I'm like, okay, there's this is weird. It's they're definitely pushing, weird. They're pushing, like, they're talking out their butts. I mean, yeah, it's it could it's be so messed too. up because it's like they're saying they're like, oh well, there's UFOs, and I was like, there's no fucking UFOs. These aren't aliens. And then they're like, well, we shot it down, and uh, yeah, you know, we don't really know what it is. And I was like, those were aliens. Now, like, <laughs> whatever yeah, dude, the opposite it, you're saying, like, <laughs> if this was Project Bluebeam, if this is some like Project Bluebeam op where they're trying to leak it out, it's like the worst though, because it's so unbelievable that we, if any any like, you know, sentient species that could reach us would you're be like so far beyond us technologically to where we would have like. We would have no chance of even shooting one down. <laughs> no, that's, so that's just that's just how based our our military is. They drove they they came thousands of light years, and then we just shot them with a fucking sidewinder. It's like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyone else see the um the satellites being launched? So last night I went outside, and I look up, and there's this line of like thirty stars in a row just moving in this perfectly straight line. I was just like, what the hell? And then I went in and posted it on Twitter, and I guess it's Starlink satellites that got launched like a, a couple days ago or something from yeah. florida and it takes a while for them to spread out but with all the news about ufos being shot down and everything i go out i just see this line of stars moving i was like oh no this is it bad. happened in, it happened in china this morning as well um you know i've seen them before so i i knew exactly what it was when you posted it but i did actually see without any announcement or warning uh an elon musk launch it was a space rocket launch and I thought that we were being nuked because I, I lived I lived by Camp Pendleton in uh, yeah. in San Diego, and the rocket went went up, went into the clouds or like not the cloud it was nighttime so it it like turns into a cloud it it breaks apart turns into this huge cloud that starts to expand I thought that at first I thought it was a nuke and I was scared to death and then I thought it was a fucking meteor that had came through and broken up in the atmosphere and I thought that a shockwave was about to break all the fucking windows in my house so I dove into my tub and I <laughs> and I hid there for like 20 minutes just like panting thinking that at any minute it was going to the shockwave was going to hit me I'm such a pussy that's the reason I bring up this story <laughs> you value your life you know, speaking of like these uh these big you know smoke clouds uh what's your take on what's going on in Ohio Dan it, uh, yeah, Dr. Paul talked about it today in the show, and we were before the show we were thinking, you know, have you seen some of this? Yeah, I said, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's a big deal. I just I don't feel like I know enough about it to develop a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> but something, I mean, it's it, and and other people have talked about this before. Uh, I mean, have talked about this today. Um, I, I like to listen to um, uh, Alexander Mercurius. I think he talked about it today. Um, but but this is like the big greeny administration 
and you have the potentially the most catastrophic environmental disaster ever, and you have a transportation secretary sashaying around doing nothing. Uh, it's 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 the most bizarre thing, and I and I just it must be just pure incompetence. He's he is. I mean, I've never even known a uh, transportation secretary's name ever in my entire life. And this guy is so fucking bad at his job, I can't stop saying his name. But on top of that, you want to talk about the hypocrisy and the laughable lunacy that's happening with the, you know, the green movement. They don't they don't give a fuck about this. They also almost certainly 99.9% chance were responsible for the direct orders of blowing up Nord Stream, which had tons and tons of methane gas in it that went into the atmosphere more than any of us combined throughout our life will ever, uh, you know, emit. No one gives even, a shit. Even if we went to Taco Bell, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not then. But. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's I mean, it's just it's just crazy that like how transparent it is if you're if you're not part of the cult, how easy it is to see that the cult is just a full fill of uh, filled with fiction. They're just they don't they don't actually believe any of what they run on. Greta Thunberg got interviewed at Davos last week and and they were asking her like, hey, why don't you ever say anything about China's pollution? (laughs) And she and she just laughed in their face. It's because like. They don't fucking care, man. Like none of this is real to them. They're just they're just on a script, as far as I can yeah. tell. Yeah, they they don't have actual solutions. But I know that Japan is like expanding their nuclear program now, which is interesting to see. I suppose awesome. they think there's like a big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, nuclear for energy, I believe. Though. They oh, think, okay, okay, okay. They think there's going to be a lot of uh, like you know energy shortages globally, so they're going to probably you know shore up their home from which, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So that makes sense. The sure. rest of this stuff makes no sense to me. Whatever's going on, right. Well, I think yeah. even if you didn't believe that carbon was an existential crisis, it would still make sense to be going towards nuclear power. It's an incredible fucking innovation that we could all be use- utilizing, and we just don't. It's it's perplexing. I mean, even if you just blame you know, our military-industrial complex conquest of the Middle East over the past 50 years to try and acquire the rights to more oil and gas, well, that alone would be enough reason to be migrating towards nuclear power. But we don't do it. And I mean, you just at some point, you know, why a big reason for that is, is a lot of fossil fuel companies don't want us moving toward nuclear because it brings us off of fossil fuels. So a lot of like the dumb green bullshit is actually pushed by oil companies. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of oil companies, let's uh, let's finish out uh, uh, Daniel out here because he's got to get out of here in an hour. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Nord Stream pipeline. Is anyone shocked here? Is, is anyone shocked that it wasn't Russia that blew up their own pipeline? I'll say like I did on Timcast. Is that really news? You know, <laughs> That's yeah, what I, I thought too. Yeah, I, I didn't even consider it to be news. I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. You'd have and to what? have a traumatic brain injury to have thought that Russia had done that. I mean, <laughs> the fact that they even floated that narrative or, or you know, they, they wrote articles calling people that didn't believe that lunatics and conspiracy theories the most obvious conclusion is that russia didn't blow up its own primary pipeline the cheapest mechanism it has to get its primary export to europe no they didn't do that they just shut up the fucking spigot the fact that that they even tried that narrative is so insulting it, it still makes me mad and that was like six months ago the sad part is that most americans believe it because we've been how many six years now being told that russia's you know, zapping our precious bodily fluids, you know. <clears throat> so everyone Wait, believes what, it. What have they already... been doing with our bodily fluids? I haven't heard this one. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's, that's, um, that's from, um, yeah, you know, the, uh, the film. Uh, oh, okay. My Dr. Mistake. Strangelove, Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I draw a blank there. 
But yeah, I mean, it's like intelligence preparation for battlefield. You know, they've they've prepared us for Russia doing anything, uh, and that's and so when they said, yeah, that sounds about right, they blew up the pipeline. There's he's crazy. He's a madman. You know, that's what we've heard before. Oh, Saddam, he's crazy. You can't negotiate with him. Oh, Gaddafi, he's chomping on Viagra. You can't talk to him. The guy's nuts. Uh, you know, Assad, he's gassing his own people. The guy's crazy. <laughs> And that's what they do, and that's yeah. that's why you know, like my 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 pet peeve with people who claim to be anti-war, and this is where Caitlin Johnstone gets it right. You have to be anti-war propaganda because that prepares mm -hmm. the ground for the war. You can't repeat the lies that they say, you know. And there's so many people, including some decent people. Well, I agree that Saddam Hussein is an absolute monster. However, we shouldn't go to war because it'll cost you much. No, right. you've already given up everything, man. You've already yeah. given up everything. The whole yeah. the whole reason that I've been so activated in this moment, and I think all of us have, is because one, we identify the propaganda game as it's occurring because we've witnessed it so many times, so we're able to actually see it in real time now. Um, but two, in the past, you know, if you have an anti-war movement that galvanizes post unjustified, immoral, unconstitutional invasion, well, sure, maybe our act actions can limit the damage or bring home our troops or whatever. In this situation, if we fail in this moment, you end up in nuclear war. And it's like, you can't, there is no fucking do-overs. Like, we have to get this right. We have to identify the propaganda in real time. And we have to call it out and dismiss it and dismantle it all day, every day. Because if we if we fail to educate the American people and they go along with, oh, we can just continue this proxy war indefinitely, they'll never, you know, Putin, he's he's insane, but he's also losing the war, but he also has nukes he can fire at any second, but he'll never fire them. We don't have to worry about that. Oh, but we're not actually involved. We're just giving them their entire funding for their entire fucking government, all of the weaponry that they're utilizing. Sure, sure. Okay. So like the narrative is crazy, but we just can't like, I know it's, dis it's disheartening. To, to see how some people are falling for it again. But this this is just the one that we have to fucking double down on like right now. He's losing the war, but he's about to take over Poland and Germany. Exactly. <laughs> does, okay, I, I, I don't get that. That's weird. The, the, the whole of Europe is, is at risk. <laughs> Let him lose, man, if he's about to lose. They know that they're lying and they know that no one's going to call him out on it, you know? And, and this is the touchy point with a lot of anti-war people who may not know the history. You know, we've been fighting U.S. intervention in Ukraine since 2004, and I just I dug up a couple of weeks ago uh, a statement that Dr. Paul wrote in 2004, and it was pretty detailed about all of the NGOs that the U.S. was funding to undermine the then elected Yanukovych government. So remember, Yanukovych got reelected in in 04. The U.S. didn't like him because they didn't trust him, so they overthrew him in the Orange Revolution and brought in um, Yushchenko, right? And Yushchenko misruled. Uh, stole everything in sight, was absolutely corrupt. And then they had an election again, and the people, they once again voted for Yanukovych. And that's what gave us the Maidan revolution. So the U.S. has been working. And, you know, remember um, um, the former head of the National Endowment for Democracy, the name will come to me in a second, wrote an article just on the eve of Maidan saying Ukraine is the prize. Uh, Gershman, Carl Gershman. A uh, lifetime member of Social Democrats USA, by the way, and he ran the National Endowment for Democracy, the U.S. regime regime change organization. They identified Ukraine as the linchpin of U.S. anti-Russia foreign policy. So they've been intervening since at least 2004 in a very overt way. And so the idea, again, 
If you want to fight war propaganda, you have to fight the idea that Putin woke up on the wrong side of the bed one morning and decided to invade Ukraine because he was pissed yeah. off or whatever it is. This has been provoked for since at least 2004, but certainly since 2014. We know this. And even um, today, who was it that said, I think at the Munich conference, that, oh, it was Stoltenberg. Stoltenberg said, well, we've been arming and training the Ukrainians since 2014, an open admission that on the border of Russia, we are training and equipping and arming a country to attack Russia. Now put the shoe on the other foot and imagine we went apeshit over a couple balloons. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, the whole country is ready to declare war. You know, yeah. poor old Nina in her 99 lift balloons. She was upset even. So they've gone nuts over balloons. Imagine if someone blew up our pipelines and yeah. armed Mexico to the hill with ISIS guys. And that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> they don't, yeah, need, to, they don't the... need to arm, arm anyone in Mexico. Or, uh... <laughs> we, we do that. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> Dan, I just wanted to um, see what you think about China, because like everything that's bad about Russia, as far as the propaganda goes, I feel like it's just 10 times worse about China. Like, at least with Russia, like a third of the population maybe realizes that all the propaganda surrounding it is bunk. Uh, but when it comes to China, I mean, there's like some commies who realize it's not true. And then like maybe a third of the libertarians realize it's not true. But then everybody else just like buys it hook, line and sinker. So are you worried that it's going to be very easy to go into some type of conflict with them? The funny thing is there was something from the Chinese foreign ministry about the U.S. today. And they were complaining about how the U.S. is the biggest surveillance state on earth. They watch their own citizens. They read our emails. And it's kind of funny, but they're right. You know? Um, that's the weird, that's the sad thing because a lot of our allies on Russia, they're like, uh, like Matt Gates. you know, he's, you know, he's good on Russia. Chip Roy from Texas is good on Russia, but they're good on Russia because no, our real enemy is China. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a real problem. China, I, I think you're right. It's a tougher nut to crack. If you, I mean, you can say, you, you can talk against the Russia Ukraine war, but if you say anything nice about China, then you are the worst person on earth. Yes. You know, and I'm the first person to criticize China, but I criticize them for the stuff that we're doing for lockdowns, for surveillance, yes. for, for social credit, and all this bullshit. We're adopting all the bad things and we're ignoring all the good things, which is when they go to Africa, they've got a briefcase with, you know, contracts and documents. You know, we've got <laughs> bombs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. If anything, yeah. they're a, a like a, slightly turned down version of us in terms of evil on the on the global scale i mean in terms of how they treat their citizens i'd say it's it's arguable they're probably still worse but it's uh it, it is it is concerning to me that that that's going to be the natural pivot because the military industrial complex will stay fed it's gonna it's going to basically go oh well we were wrong russia obviously mops up the rest of ukraine and now we have to pivot to the cold war with china i think it's like the writing is so on the wall and that's assuming that we're lucky enough to avoid a fucking nuclear war with Russia. Um, so it's uh, either way, it seems pretty dire. And, and right, look so at the record. We lost in Afghanistan. We lost in Iraq. We're losing in Ukraine. Oh yeah. Let's go take on China. You know, as, as, as Rocky Balboa said, go for it. No, no it was the other guy that fought in the Soviet guy. Go for it. <laughs> Surprisingly, we didn't get a whole lot of pushback. Me and Reed, where we were kind of trashing the uh, the bloodlust for China on uh, Tim's show, I was really surprised by that. But with that, uh, it was just know, because there was substance to what we were saying. I yeah, think, yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, I did want to bring up. I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Zihan's analysis. This actually came up on the episode. And I think that's probably why this guy, why uh, 
David's bringing it up. Um, uh, yeah, the, the I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically the basic idea is that they will likely have some sort of major collapse within the next 10 years because the way they're handling their money. And this will probably be what I send you out on because I figured you'd have a lot in mean, foreign policy and then kind of economics is definitely your thing. So I feel like you probably may have yeah. thoughts on what they're doing with their money over there in China. I think they're probably collapsed before we have a real collapse, like a real, real is collapse. This- is this the guy that said that uh, if they have a collapse, that will go through like a short deflationary period? I, I don't know specifically. That's, I think that just the specifics of Zihans was just that they would collapse. I don't know what else he said in there. Yeah, the, the overarching thesis is called dollar milkshake theory, and I don't think that's from Zihan or Zehan. Um, it's it's basically that because the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency of the world, that the, the other fiat regimes will fall first. The dollar will strengthen only in terms of, uh, you know, in reference to these other bullshit currencies, but it, it'll ultimately fall too. Yeah, eventually, okay. all paper returns to its, you know, what it's worth, what it's paper, you know. Right. <laughs> so I don't Indeed. know if you have any thoughts on that, Daniel. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dr. Paul talks a lot about malinvestment in China, and we have got a lot of that too. And you know, we've seen those big cities that are that are built because they have to keep people working to keep them from revolting, right? And, um, and didn't they put built- a trillion dollars into infrastructure not that long ago in in America? And our yeah. infrastructure is just fucking imploding all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I can't make predictions on, on, on economy. I do know that they make things and we don't. And we found out we can't even make weapons anymore. We ran out of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know what will happen with China. China is, um, there's a lot to admire in China. They're a corporate estate, which is not to admire. But in some ways, they seem more capitalist than, than we do. Well, all right. I uh, appreciate your time, Daniel. Unless any of you guys have any other questions, I'll let you go. Let you go hang out with your wife. It is <laughs> Valentine's Day. We're glad we got to hang um, out with you because we all love you. But well, one more thing, you? Dan. Yeah, before before you go. Uh, so you know, you got Reed and Clint here, and they're, in my opinion, like you know, as far as activists go in the LP, they're up and coming, and they're probably names you're here for a while. What would you say to them uh, as somebody that's been doing this for a really long time uh, to to not get discouraged <laughs> or how yeah. how can they maintain the kind of uh, mindset that you and Ron have over the years? Well, Dr. Paul would always say, just have low expectations. That's that's <laughs> always his mantra, and that's probably true. I mean, I was just I've been disappointed with some things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, and I've and I've I've gone and talked and spoken at LP events on my own time as well. It's easy to get discouraged, you know. I've I'm I'm not a voter. I don't vote. I'm not a member of any party. Um, so I've given up a long time ago. The last person I voted for was a Democrat. So I, I, I don't know that there's any future in electoral politics, but I think that people that want to try should be encouraged to try. There's a possibility. Um, but for me, I've had a flicker of hope with some things that happened in a certain party recently, but it's kind of been dispelled. So I could just wish you luck and, and, and hope that you'll keep low expectations and keep plugging away. Dan's on Team Top, Jose. You you can't stop me, Dan. I I have high expectations, and I am continuously infuriated that the that I don't prevail in in those attempts. So I think that's that's what keeps me going. Is like I am just I am just constantly on fire because I'm so upset that the world is not listening to us. So. I'll stay well, there right, for a while. All right, Daniel, if you want to go and drop your plugs and everyone that's still here, uh, we'll probably hang out and talk for a little bit longer, maybe 15, 30 minutes. Oh, I don't know if that's just him leaving. Okay. But uh, you guys feel free to drop questions if you have any for us. And we'll just, all right. Yeah, you just left. Uh, you guys are not doing plugs. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> I love, Dan, Adams, I love you know Dan. Dan is my favorite libertarian. Yes. 
uh, in this world. I, I just I love him so much. He is McBased. <laughs> I, I wanted to tell him that. I wanted to tell him that in our GC, we refer to him as McBased. <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I intro him, McBased. But a happy Valentine's Day to Reed and only Reed. He is a handsome bastard. He does look like the kind you of You are correct that it's himself. to me and only me. Uh, yep. I am going to fire up Pornhub once this stream is over. So, <laughs> But yeah, uh, oh, I do while I have you and Top here, uh, or Clint and Top here, I do want to thank you guys because I know you guys we're a little bit bummed with how your episode went, uh, uh, but no. but I really think you guys I got would. the foot in the door for me yeah. and Reed. I think you got the oh, foot dude. in the door for me and Reed, and that, that rapport you set down that really was like, because they kind of see us as a unit, that's what led to me and Reed having a really good episode, I think. I well, thought and, and it was great. I, I haven't had a chance to tell you guys face-to-face yet, but you guys absolutely killed it. I was so, so proud of you guys. To The I, word I, the I, word was jealous. I was fucking jealous that you guys no. got some topics. I was like, man, these they, you killed it. It was amazing. I, I, yeah, I, uh, I mean, obviously I was a little jealous that I didn't get those topics because I, I, I had a lot to say. In fact, during, during the entire episode, we're like, we're like live chatting it. I was 20 minutes behind because I'm an asshole and I don't watch shit live, but, um, and I just kept going like, oh, I was like, Jose, say this, say this here. Oh, that was like 99% perfect. Just this. Oh, and, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting because I'm so used to having conversations, uh, with you guys. That to actually just have to watch yeah. there and shut the fuck up was really challenging. But I was uh, talking to the TV at you some guys point. crushed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I was, it, I was, it was screaming like, out loud. Such a good vibe. We got in so many good, like good actual substantive topics, in my opinion, or like you know, digs on certain topics. But we did this in, in this way of where it was still jovial, and I think like we were lighthearted and that kind of brought the guard down to where we were able to have those conversations without as much pushback. Dude, I kept I kept trying to describe it as like you were like a, a stoned Zen master throughout the like the first hour of that episode. You're just like, you were completely sun zooing everything. Every single topic, you're just like, you're like, no, you must use your opponent's gravity against them. And I was like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? Dude, I it, told you, you guys give me so much shit. I, it was I, my prep. preparation it was prep. worked. Yep. I didn't, I didn't. Rewind. My complete lack of prepped worked. It was perfect because yeah. he did all this prep. I did like literally nothing. And did you read Art of War on game. the airplane over there? That's no, what I, I didn't. Know. Rewind to the Tower Gang. Once you signed off, Jose, uh, I, I think you signed off too. Read. Yeah. Clint looks at both of us and goes, "They're gonna do so fucking bad." <laughs> <laughs> I was. So I, it was a joke. It was a joke. But it, it, I was like, Half I definitely serious. feel that way about Cole and Toad. It um, was 50-50 on Jose. If Jose would have just imploded, so though. If he would have imploded on Tim Pool, I wouldn't have been surprised. If he did what he did, I'm like, I wouldn't have been surprised. I was like, it's either or, man. He's either gonna fucking shine, or this is gonna go so badly. Yeah, I, I you, honestly, man. I was, I was surprised that Reed didn't say anything that like jeopardized uh, Tim's channel. Like, I didn't know if you were gonna be able to like control yourself even to that extent. Dude, I mean, guys... it didn't really come up. Like, the opportunity to do that didn't even present itself necessarily. Right. Like Jose Fed posted a little bit. Dude, that was <laughs> such bit. a great line. That was such Dude, a I didn't line. even say Israel oh, there's a way. during the main show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got that one good. Everyone knew what I said. And like, Tim almost said his like, eyebrow raised, like, don't go deeper. And I was just, nope, I'm leaving it there. <laughs> like, but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so, on, a, on a completely serious note, though, I, I do think it was a good show. Yeah. But I watched it with my dad afterward, and my dad watches like every Four Horsemen show, and he like has seen some of our shows that we've done together. And like when it got to some of the drama stuff and like more monologue stuff, he actually looked at me and was like, "Hey, could we like fast forward this?" <laughs> I just like realized that our shows are like really like our stuff that we talk about on like a day to day basis is so much more interesting than what these people are watching every day. <laughs> like, I mean the 
you know, like if you watch, uh, if you just watch like mainstream news, nobody like even gives a shit about that anymore. But even like the kind of counter narrative shows, there's like when we're talking substance, there's not nearly as much as like what our shows are talking about all the time. Like well, we're constantly talking about really like in-depth stuff. And I just really realized that. It's, so. it's almost unfair, I think, though, because for your guys shows or like even targeting to a certain aspect, I'm watching all the other people. And then mm. I see what they do, and then we'll like I'll add a wrinkle to my game, which I'm sure that you guys do. Like you'll watch part of the problem, but you'll be like, "I like what he did there, but I'm going to do it this way." Because now I have a reference, and it's like like in the yeah. UFC now. If if you watch the UFC, a lot of the old fighters can never compete with like the lowest, like you know, the lowest of the new fighters because they've learned from them and they've taken all of their techniques and sharpened them just a little bit. Yeah. So like in a sense, it kind of isn't fair. And but then they should also step up their game because if they're still doing it, they need to keep an eye on the the grindstone to see what people that's, are doing. You know, that's what the free market is, man. I, I think that's that that's why they don't want it to be an even playing field. That's why they want to have algorithmically boosted channels and suppressed channels. Like they want to try and keep you know the people that are actually talking the most cutting edge shit as far away from going viral as possible. And I, I think that. I mean, this is a very small example, but the fact that my episode and my nuking from YouTube got me over over now 13,000 views on Rumble for that episode, it just goes to show like there is there is a huge, huge demand for content that isn't allow, allowed. And uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I mean, as long as there's additional competition on the level of platforms and then hopefully decentralized platforms that come along too to try and compete with those, I think we're headed in the right direction. It's just going to be painful as a motherfucker right. in the interim. Someone asked in the chat about the after show, our after show, our after show, like, like I'll be completely honest. The first half I was a little like, what are we doing here? And then it got like pretty good towards the second half. We were fucking with chat GPT the whole time. And me and Reed are both tech idiots. And I don't know about Reed, but for me, I was kind of like, I didn't even really completely understand. I didn't know the what we were concept. doing until like halfway through. Yeah. And then I kind <laughs> yeah. of got the idea of how we could input inputs in. And then, then it got like, because for me, I'm like, what? This is new tech you're throwing at me on the fly? And I'm like, what do I feed it? You're also asking for this on the fly? I'm like, I don't know how you're supposed to phrase this. But once you got the vibe, like then we actually got into a lot of the content that me and Reed covered towards the second half of it. Because then we just started feeding chat, chat GPT shit like, uh, did Israel have any connection to 9-11? Uh, did Assad gas his people? And then they like jailbroke it to be like, it make it make the honest shit. And we'd be like, oh! <laughs> like, every time it answered right shit gotten a little bit of okc like uh that's where we really got into our stuff i know a lot of people got mad that we didn't get our stuff but i think you gotta realize what kind of show it is it's a current event show you're going to go there have a good conversation try to slip in your stuff where you can which i think honestly i think me and reed borderline ran a master class on that where we like pretty much every topic we did a decent job of somewhat in injecting the kind of stuff we're about into it, it may not have been able to get all my okc stuff or his 911 stuff or whatever but I thought we did a good job. I can't complain. Don't be wrong. I still to this day will be driving back home from work and be like, oh, fuck, I should have said this this way. God damn it. Like, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, hopefully there's another time. And, uh, you know, so it it was fun. I had a good time. All people were cool. Uh, I don't have any complaints at all. So I haven't announced it public yet, publicly yet, but you guys are already yeah. aware. But for public knowledge, um, I will be on next Thursday. So make sure you guys turn out again. Try and keep that, that uh, fresh energy going because there was supposed to be a huge politician that was going to join Josie, the redhead libertarian on there. Apparently that fell through. So I became the the backup guy. So it's going to be myself and Josie. Nice. So that should be really exciting. Are they going to let Josie use a microphone or is she going to use her? Uh, <laughs> <Apple headset? laughs> 
dude. <laughs> like nothing bothers her more than that. So I'm gonna send her this. <laughs> uh, we love you, Josie. <laughs> yeah, no, and everyone, remind uh, remind them uh, about Toad and Cole. They need to go on. They gotta get their episode, dude. I I am so psyched for that one. That one's gonna be fun. I think uh, I actually think that they could. I know they could be the worst or the best. I, I don't know. Isn't one of them already one like one. booked? No, no, they're still waiting. She oh, hit up. Okay. She hit up Cole and told him that like, uh, hey, I probably in March. But I tweeted it and she did retweet it. She liked oh. the retweet. I don't know what that means, but whatever. That means fuck you. I'm gonna mess with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I got yeah. a super chat. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to y'all from Lorenzo. You guys have helped me so much in my political journey. I just want to throw a few bucks your way. That really is heartening, especially from a young nice. guy like you. Uh, we were all retarded when we were young. Lorenzo, uh, yeah, you, you, you got to stop, stop making up those dating stories, though. I don't. He's, know he's eating out a tranny right now in his uh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Prius or whatever. <laughs> Her prius <laughs> uh, Fuck you, Lorenzo. That's a Tower Gang reference for those that aren't aware. Tower Gang, guys, tomorrow we almost forgot. Dave oh, yeah. Smith. We're going to be oh, yeah. covering all the latest political subjects. Jose and I did forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again. I we did awful plugs. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, we have Dave Smith. It'll be fun. We're going to be yeah. talking only politics with Dave Smith. We're, we're covering the Mises Caucus, like libertarian <laughs> theory. Tune in, guys. It's going to be big brain. It's going to be so much. Oh, my God. We're so going to be more. debating immigration policy. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I do really hope he comes in hot. Age of consent might show up somewhere. I do hope he comes. I do hope he comes in hot, ready to like you know debate some shit because like some of the stuff that's been stirred up lately, and then we're just like, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, no, no. Be like, yeah, but what does your wife's asshole look like? Boomercons cheer for the explosions because they thought it happened in the real Palestine. Hey. <laughs> you gotta admit that was so that that was hilarious. Like I, I just looked up the story and it's like <laughs> explosion in East Palestine, Ohio, and I was like, "Come on, East Palestine!" Yeah. Uh, and all I got, the, all there's the got to be a joke in here somewhere that I can make. And so I figured, all it out the Jews that run America don't <laughs> just just completely ignore it. It's like <laughs> this is a simulation. I don't it's know why just... why would they not call it West Palestine too? That's that bothers me. Well, West Palestine is uh, Israel. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> and we're off youtube really. wait wait i was like isn't israel east of palestine or am i tripping uh israel is yeah it's like east. right there yeah yeah okay just making sure i don't know i was just making a joke it didn't work. <laughs> what is i just making sure that like i'm not very good no you're right you're right yeah once is your stance on the ip of age of immigration that just broke my brain bud just wanted to let you know <laughs> i don't oh, know what the God. fuck that means uh, twelve. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking cool. about. Property. What does that mean? I think he's just fucking with you, throwing a bunch of, yeah. throwing an IP, age of, and then immigration. So you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the shit that uh, we usually tend to get fucky on. Us I stand against all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No IP. Dude, no I'm not gonna lie. I was this close <laughs> to going full on IP on fucking Tim Cast. I was like, nah, they're not ready for that. You, you remember that part where we were talking about oh, like, yeah, I remember. I was like this close because especially when, when he started being like, we should force them. I wanted to just be like, no, you don't have to force them. Just give it a fucking IP. And I was just like, I knew that would be like, a, what? Oh, what are you like? It's like IP is one of those ones that like conservatives just get like super gay about. And you're like, I just like I didn't want to go on the fucking rabbit hole about IP, the most like niche things of all things that go on. So it's like I'll just leave it here. <laughs> yeah, Ian's but, good like for like every episode for one thing that you're like, what the fuck are you talking? What did he say to us about like maybe the military industrial complex are the good guys? And I just looked at him, I was like, you do too much drugs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, was like, like, <laughs> I was like, you've gone too far, brother. 
one too many hits of acid. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, well, if you guys don't have any other stuff, I think we're at a good spot to go ahead and kill it. I mean, uh, you go around the horn, drop <laughs> drop plugs. If you want to drop super chats or any questions, I can. I'll try to address them before we go. But uh, uh, I mean, everyone's got some big stuff. We'll stop. Start with top. What's up, dude? Yeah, you can catch me at uh, Top Lobster everywhere, toplobster.com, uh, and podcastmerch.com. Jose, thanks for having me on. Got to wear my Ron Paul shirt that I, this is like oh, yeah. one of the first designs that I made for Top Lobster. I got to wear it in front of Daniel McAdams. Really cool. Appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot to plug my, I feel so bad I didn't plug your shirt on that. But that OKC shirt I wore on TimCast, uh, Terrence Seeking Didn't Kill Himself, you can find that just with all my other merch and you know a bunch of other merch on toplobster.com and uh definitely buy it and then you know tweet it out say you got this and it was awesome because it's a it's a worthy cause like it really i don't get a penny from it i think you technically get a percentage but i don't i've never asked for it i don't care (laughs) but uh read clint whoever wants to go i don't care sure tomorrow i have scott ritter on my show at eight o'clock right before tower gang Hell yeah. And then I'll be on Tower Gang. Um, I'm also, this is news today, I'm speaking at the Rage Against the War Machine rally in Washington, D.C. So that'll be cool. Um, so if you're coming to that rally, hit me up. I'll be there. And I got my Twitter back. My original from 2021 that's been gone for a year and a half came back and I just hit 20,000 followers. So things Hell are yeah. finally starting to look up a little bit. Love it. Uh, yeah, at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter, about to hit 70k. If you guys could get me over the hump, I'd appreciate it. Um, Liberty Lockdown on Rumble because <laughs> YouTube hates me, and I am running the appeal process. If you guys can continue to share that article that was put out um, discussing my banning, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I've been told uh, on the appeal process that that could help. The more public pressure and the more outrage there is that they fucked with me over what appeared to be whether or not it was because they never gave me an explanation it appears to be over an anti-war speech that i read um that's good that helps me that helps my cause and it might get me back on there so please continue to share that as for the show you know just go to rumble look up liberty lockdown that's it love you guys if if you want more age of consent conversations you know i'm just kidding uh but anyways (laughs) never again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey got you some good press uh but anyways uh i'm i'm jose galison there's no way jose find me on no way jose youtube channel all major all buckets i'll see as well follow me at tower gang jose i'm almost at 3k i feel fucking puny next to all these retards <laughs> why the fuck did i ever go on timcast i don't know it doesn't make <laughs> sense to me but hey make it uh make those numbers go up so it makes more sense so they want to do it again uh, but yeah, this was a fun time. I appreciate when you showed up. Uh, it was dope talking to Daniel McAdams. Uh, and yeah, I uh, appreciate all of you guys for getting me there and you know get, putting me in a place to where I can tell the world about Terrence Hickey, you know, the legitimate American hero. And yeah, and hopefully maybe we can you know I can grift my way into actually making some good. That'd be dope. I'm disappointed so, you didn't cry talking about him. That would have been fucking rad. Yeah, didn't really get to get into. It. And there's a couple times after where I was like, fuck. Like that one point we were talking about James O'Keefe with a suicide little like thing he made later i was like how the fuck did i not jump on that <laughs> like it was so easy i was like god damn it <laughs> but, yeah, I, was, I was screaming at my tv at that point too yeah i was like that was so easy uh, but all right whatever we're, we're out of here guys i uh, appreciate everyone showed up we are out <laughs>